ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Talking Sports with Evan. I want to thank those that are going to be watching the stream, listening to the podcast posted later. I um, appreciate the support that um, that I get from you, the fans. And lots to go over here today. And we have the NBA playoffs, second round in high gear, and it's not looking good for the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, they had an embarrassing, and I don't know if embarrassing is a strong enough word, but they had an embarrassing game yesterday, losing by 39 points, 125 to 86. After losing game one, 115 to 107. So what do the Bucks need to do in order to get back in the series? And can they get back in the series? That That is an important question, too. Um, <laughs> it's not looking good right now. Um, could they possibly, will they, eh, it, it's definitely too hard to say, but I will explain why I don't think the series is quite over yet. Um, a little more upbeat now after I've had some time to think about it than I was earlier this morning, earlier today in the morning or, uh, even yesterday. So I'm a little more, um, I'm a little more uh, positive now than I was. Um, I guess that's that's the best way to say it. Um, Milwaukee Brewers continue to stay red hot. They are down one nothing as at the time of broadcast, but overall they continue to stay hot. Um, I am going to go over and discuss my feelings on the Brewers and exactly. Um, what I think they need to do to continue to stay hot and to continue to improve. Um, pitching's obviously been outstanding. Um, and the offense is starting to heat up. And I there is a couple things, though, that they can try to do in order to continue to stay hot. And I'm going to talk about that. And then Packer mandatory minicam start today. And no surprise to anybody, no Aaron Rodgers. And I'm going to kind of talk about why that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, obviously, if the Packers want to win the Super Bowl this year, they need Aaron Rodgers under center. And that's not a shot at Jordan Love at all. Um, it's just I don't feel he is quite ready to be that guy. You know, we haven't seen enough of him. We haven't seen... Um, what he can do quite yet, and from what I've observed on Twitter um, from those that were at the OTAs that the media were able to be at, very up and down. Accuracy could be better. Missed some throws, which, not a surprise. You know, he didn't really have an offseason last year. Came into training camp, and that's the only offseason he had. And at that point, Aaron Rodgers and Tim Boyle are getting the majority of the reps. And... No preseason games to get live action games in. So not too concerned yet on Jordan Love's uh, struggles in minicamp. So that's going to be my main focus today. I'm going to also talk Julio Jones to the Titans. And does that make them a Super Bowl contender or not? And fan behavior. So I did record an episode late last week. Um, I just kind of... Uh, threw some thoughts out mostly on the Bucks and their playoff series against the Nets. And obviously, I've been completely wrong um, in my thoughts for the series so far. I don't think I can be any more wrong. I don't think it's humanly possible to be any more wrong. Um, but, you know, not the end of the world. 
Um, I'm sure one friend of mine in particular would comment that I'm I'm uh, wrong a hell of a lot more than I'm right, which I don't agree with. But you know we're all allowed to have our opinions. So, um, but I've definitely been wrong so far on the Nets and the Bucks. Um, as I mentioned, I still think they can turn it around too. So, so with that said, um, do want to invite you all to, if you're looking to get into better health this summer, let me help you with that. Coach Evan six, six at gmail.com. Um, I work to help those, uh, who are looking to eat healthier, um, work out, find programs to do, have some encouragement, have some uh, accountability, um, somebody to text them or email them or message them every morning. Hey, you get that workout in yet? How that workout go? What's, what's your meal looking like so far today? You know, things like that. What's your water intake look like? Which, how hot it is currently, drink your water. <laughs> Definitely drink your water. So, with that said, time to get into the meat of the show. I'm going to start with the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, game two ultimately could not be any more embarrassing at all. It was just uh, a complete and utter. Em- it was just a complete and utter embarrassment. Like I legitly, <laughs> within three minutes of that game. I knew the Bucks were going to get ran out the gym because the Bucks came out with little energy. Like you would even thought there was a, you would have thought it was like the first game of the NBA season or a preseason game with the way the Bucks came out. They had little energy. They had, it looked like they had little interest to be even be on the court. And typically, I'm an upbeat uh, Bucks fan or, or a Wisconsin sports fan in general. I'm pretty upbeat, pretty encouraging fan i know it you know irritates one of my friends because i tend to be more positive than i am uh critical of things that's just how i fan i don't tell other people how to fan and fan how you want to fan but that's just how i fan i tend to be more more positive more upbeat more encouraging um let's see how things play out first before we come to judgment things like that well like i said three minutes into this game Yesterday, I, I'm at um, Rustic Road Brewery in Kenosha having uh, dinner with a friend, and the game's on there. I look over, um, watching the game a little bit while we chat, and I said to her within three minutes into the game, I'm like, eh, this is going to get ugly fast. And sure enough, at the end of the first quarter, it's 36-19. to 19. Okay, you got your you-know-what kicked in the first quarter. It's okay. We can rebound in the second. Um just got to start nailing shots better and uh, get on a nice run. Well, you lose the second quarter, 29-22, and you're down double digits, and you never look back. Okay, halftime. We're down 25 or something like that. Plenty of time to turn it on. Plenty of time to get it going, but you have to start the third quarter hot. You got to start it you know, quickly. Got to get going right away. First possession of the third quarter for the Nets. I want to say it was Kevin Durant. Might have been Kyrie. But next thing you know, they they miss a three-pointer. Um, I'm sorry, they make a three-pointer. And 
from then on out, it was pretty much over with. Like, well, I said it was pretty much over within the first three minutes of the game, but the way they started the third quarter, it was definitely no point even being on the court, really. And then the fourth quarter was just an embarrassing joke. So, it was embarrassing. The the Bucks were just outright embarrassing uh, yesterday. And I'm a big Bucks fan. I try to be positive. I try to, you know, yeah, there was a loss, but let's look at what, you know, positive stuff came out of it. There was literally none. So game one, you could point to Giannis had a very strong game, and they probably should have got him even more involved. They probably should have played him more. Brooke Lopez had a strong game in game one, probably should have played him more. But game two... Nothing positive about it whatsoever. And the Bucks just got completely destroyed in every aspect of the game. And the thing is, you expect you expect it from Kevin Durant, who had 32 points. I think 20, around 20 at the half. You expect it from Kyrie Irving, who had 22 points. You expect those guys to get their numbers. You expect those guys to put points on the board, to make it difficult on your defense, to make it difficult for... For you to um, stop them. You, you, you kind of accept that when you play those two players. Especially Kevin Durant. But Joe Harris, 13 points. Blake Griffin, 7 points, 8 rebounds in 26 minutes. Uh, Bruce Brown, 13 points. Mike James, 10 points. Um, Reggie Perry, 8 points. Um, the, the There's two advantages the Bucks are supposed to have in the series. The depth of the team, because outside of, well, Harden missed game two due to a hamstring injury, out of the big three, outside of the big three, the Bucks had the better lineup. You know, you have Brooke Lopez, you have P.J. Tucker, you have Bryn Forbes, Bobby Portis. You have the better lineup outside of the big three. The big three to me and the Bucks big three and the and the big three of the Nets. They're they're obviously the Nets have the advantage for having Kevin Durant, but overall I think it's closer than most people would think. So pure roster, other outside the big threes, on paper the Bucks had the advantage. Bryn Forbes just had a great series. Uh, Portis had an outstanding season, and for the most part, those guys have been nowhere to be found. Ultimately, um, the other thing, the Nets typically don't de- defend the paint well. Giannis averaged 39 points a game against the Nets this season, and most of his points came inside the paint. Brooke Lopez had some uh, outstanding last two games against the Nets. I would have to go back and look what he did in the first game against the Nets, but the last two games against the Nets, Brooke Lopez played outstanding. Um, so you would think the offense would be centered around attacking the rim, but this is where you know the Nets are kind. You know, and in the first round it worked with Giannis and Brooke and those guys attacking the rim. Because guys like Middleton and Forbes and those guys were pretty outstanding from the three-point line after game, outside of game one of that series. So it helps when those guys are nailing their shots. But it, to me, it almost looks like the Nets are 
for you know basically saying to the Bucks, shoot your perimeter jump shots all you want. We're gonna we're gonna protect the, the middle. We're gonna not allow you to go go inside, and that's what we're gonna focus our attention on. Well, the Bucks are like, okay, let's jack up these shots. And they have too many one-and-done possessions. Offensive rebounding was supposed to be an area where the Bucks had sold to. The Nets don't, uh, the don't rebound really well. The Bucks should be dominating them on the boards. They really should be. But you look at the game, 11 offensive rebounds to the Nets, 9. 44 total rebounds to the Nets, 42. So they're not really dominating the boards either. They shot 29% from three last night, 44% from the field. The Nets were 52% from the field, 50% from three. And nine free throws. So the nine free throws, what that's telling me is the Bucks are content and 52 points in the paint. Uh, most of that I would like to say probably came in the second half and especially when the, uh, the, team, the scrub team was in. 16 turnovers for the Bucks definitely hurt. Um, only 14 assists. Areas where the Bucks excelled all season long, they are crapping the bed. And to me, that comes from a lot. Some of that comes from coaching because the Nets' adjustment after watching the Heat series was, you know, you shot well against the Heat. Well, prove it. Prove it in this series that you can shoot that well. We will give you those shots. And the Bucks haven't been able to answer the bell. And rather than forcing things inside like they, sh they should, the Bucks have the size advantage. They have the toughness advantage. They should be able to push guys like um, Griffin around. But they're content on just jacking up shots, in, you know, from perimeter, perimeter shots, three-point shots, deep two-point shots. That's what they're content on doing. Attack the rim, draw fouls, get to the free throw line, that is what the Bucks do well. And yes, I know they shoot threes a lot too, but if shots aren't falling, you got to adjust and you got to attack. And that's what they did in game one against against the Heat. They were like, what, 5 of 29 from three-point line in game one against the Heat? And what do they do? They start attacking the middle. They start, you know, defense is suffocating against the Heat and they started attacking the inside and they were able to grind out a victory. But against the Nets, they're not... Their, their shooting's not falling, and instead of, you know, the Nets th shooting pretty good from the three-point line, but instead of attacking the rim and earning three-point plays and or trying to earn three-point plays, they're content on just jack jacking up shots. Um, I guess there's no for me there's no other way to look at it. And it is possible for the Bucks to get back in the series. So two years ago, the Bucks similarly beat, Toronto game one, like the Nets did the Bucks in game one. The Bucks similarly beat the uh, Toronto in game two, like the way the Nets beat the Bucks in game two, just completely embarrassed them. And then the Bucks weren't able to seal the deal in game three, sent to overtime. And the next thing you know, Toronto's going to the NBA Finals and they win. So it's possible. The the Clippers were down 0-2 in the first round against Dallas. Dallas has a team that can shoot threes, you know, shoot the uh, the lid off the plate. But the Clippers were able to get back into the game. And I I know Tyrone Liu and Nick Nurse run ring run laps around uh Bud as a coach. Um I 
my argument was you can't really judge Bud in the playoffs at the uh, during his Atlanta tenure because as a whole the teams were not very good. He got them to the playoffs, and I want to say the West, the Eastern Conference Finals once or twice during his time in um, Atlanta, but he didn't have the horses in Atlanta to take that next step. But now, year number three, it's looked now when Bud has the horses to kind of take that next step, it doesn't look like they can. And maybe that falls on Bud. And, you know, Bud is allowing the Nets to dictate what they do. A lot of isolation type basketball, not a lot of ball movement, not a lot of set plays, not a lot of pick and rolls, moving guys around, um, a lot of let me try to beat my man ISO. Let me try to beat my man one-on-one. You know, this is Giannis' turn to shoot, let him shoot. This is Chris's turn to shoot, let him shoot. And that Toronto series, when Toronto started to take, you know, dominate the series, you saw a lot of that too. In the Heat series, when the Heat started to take control of that series, you saw a lot of that as well. Now you don't have Eric Bledsoe now. But one of the compliments I gave Drew Holiday is Drew Holiday was very good at playing within the Bucks system. Holiday was good at playing in the system um, and being the facilitator, getting the ball into the hands of the of uh, of Middleton and and Giannis and Bloods and uh, uh, Lopez, Forbes, Portis, get the ball in their hands and let them score. That is something that that is something that Holiday had done really well this season thus far. And now unfortunately in the preseason in the pre, I mean the postseason it, it it's not happening. And for those watching the live stream I do apologize the internet connection apparently wants to cut out on me. I can't control it unfortunately. I'm trying to um get it back connected but um you know, you will be able to listen to this podcast anywhere podcasts are found, Anchor, Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, wherever podcasts are found. You'll be able to listen to the audio of this podcast for those um, watching the stream when it cuts out. So this is Talking Sports with Evan. I am Evan Wittalison, and I appreciate those listening to the show. Um, part of the reason why I still have some confidence in the Bucks. You got two in Milwaukee coming up. I, and I don't know. I, I know I'm not the only one that's noticed this. I'm not breaking any breaking news here or whatever. But role players tend to play better at home. Role players tend to play better at home. So, you know, guys like Forbes, guys like Portis, guys, you know, Connaughton, uh, those guys, maybe once they, they need some home cooking, they're 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 back in they're they're back in um Milwaukee maybe they like I said maybe they just need some home cooking and that is what that's what they um need to do um just get that home cooking so i'm uh still confident that they can take two in Milwaukee um i'm still confident that they can they can uh win in Milwaukee uh, when the, if you win these next two in Milwaukee, you just got to steal, steal one in Brooklyn. 
win win the net win the, the three games in Milwaukee, game two, game three, I mean sorry, game three, game four, game six, win those three in Milwaukee. All you have to do is steal one game. Steal one game in Brooklyn. And if you win game three and four, now you put pressure on Brooklyn go, when going back home with a tied series to try to go up 3-2 before going back to Milwaukee. So I expect the role players of the Bucks to play better at home, especially if the crowd can be into it. You know, they can feed into it. They can feed into the crowd. Um, I expect the role players of the Bucks to play better in Milwaukee. Um, I still feel from a peer on paper, I feel that the, as I mentioned, the Bucks have a better group of role players than the Nets. You just haven't seen it in game one and game two. I think I think the, the bench and the non-big three are closer to what we saw in Miami to what we're seeing right now. And I hope we don't have another game when in the first three minutes of the game, we already know that the Bucks aren't going to win. Um, I don't want another game like that. So I think Giannis comes back fired, fired up. I think he uh, he's not going to lay down. He's going. To, the only thing I worry, he may try to do too much, try press too hard. But the way the national media is talking about him right now, you would think he's a joke. He's not. He's one of the top players in the NBA. Should have been in the MVP final finalist this year. Um, should have finished top three in the MVP for the regular season this year. And um, he. Uh, won the past two MVPs before this season. He doesn't do that by accident. So I think Giannis comes out um, fired up, and we see the Giannis that we're used to seeing. We got to see Chris Middleton better. Uh, we got to see Drew Holiday play better. And we have to see Bud stick to his system, stick to the system that swept the heat, stick to the system that got them to the third seed in the playoffs. That's what we got to see. That That is what we got to see from Bud rather than things aren't going well. Now we got to, now we got to just got to, you know, do what you can on offense. Get, you know, beat your, beat your man one-on-one and jack up a shot. And you're going to beat the Nets by attacking inside. That's how you're going to beat Brooklyn. Attack the middle, attack the inside. Use your length, use your size advantage to bully Brooklyn. Stop being bullied. And start bullying back. Punch them in the mouth back. That's what the Bucks need to do. Can they do it? I hope so. Will they do it? I'm definitely not going to bet money on it. Um, it's it, to, to lose 39, to be down almost 50 at one point, it's very hard to come back from. It's very hard to come back from after you've been completely and utterly embarrassed so hopefully the Bucks can we, we shall see Thursday is game three Sunday is game four hopefully they uh, the, the series returns to Brooklyn tied up at two so moving on to the Brewers you know the, the Milwaukee Brewers um, red hot right now they're winners nine of their last ten yes they are losing right now one nothing but they're winners of nine of their last ten and they're their starting rotation, especially the three Cy Young candidates, Peralta, 
Woody and Burns are the biggest reason why. Corbin Burns, he's showing right now why I was so high on him back in 2019 when he was struggling so much. You know, I kept saying you don't you don't give up on him. You know, should he be starting games? Should he be pitching in high leverage situations? Should he be on the big league roster right now? Probably not, but you don't give up on him. You you keep pressing, you keep you keep uh, giving him opportunities. You keep trying to work with him. And the Brewers did. He went to the pitching school that they have, pitching clinic that they have in Arizona, worked on some things, found some new pitches, uh, got some trust in pitches, figured out what wasn't going well, and rediscovered himself. And he had a great 2020, and he's off to a great 2021. Woodworth is finally looking like the ace pitcher that he's shown glimpses of since 2018, Um, 2017, 2018. He's shown signs of this. He's finally showing like he's that guy. Freddie Peralta, people forget that Freddie Peralta, when he first came to the Brewers, was barely in his 20s, if in his 20s at all. And they had to develop him. And he started out with just having a fastball. Then he had to develop a curveball. Now he has a changeup. He has a slider. Um, Peralta at 25 um, is developing into one of the top pitchers in baseball. And he took a no-hitter into the eighth inning on um, Friday night. So with those three leading the rotation you're likely not going to have very many extended losing streaks. Um, between those three, one of them should be able to snap a losing streak. Adrian Hauser is no slouch. Now, he's not the dominating pitcher that the other three are, but he's a guy that can throw a lot of pitches, um, eat a lot of innings, and um, get you through a game uh, when his stuff is on. Um, I'm just pulling up what he's doing right now today. So he's given up four hits, given up one run, two walks, two strikeouts, through three. Um, he's thrown 54 pitches uh, going into the top of the fourth inning. So not ideal, but he's a guy that can throw a lot of pitches. And Brett Anderson, when he's able to keep his pitches low, he's a guy that can get through some innings. He hasn't done it, unfortunately, since he's come off the I.L., um, but he, I think he's kind of building his way up there. And then you have Eric Lauer you can throw out there and, and you do a six-man rotation. And then you got Ashby waiting in the wings in the minors, who's probably going to be in Milwaukee by the end of the year, probably out of the bullpen at first, like Burns did. So pitching-wise, the Brewers are great. Bullpen, especially middle relief, could could use some, some work. Um Unfortunately, they had to trade away um, two bullpen arms in order to get Willie Adimus, and then they got a pitcher back. But Willie Adimus has been absolutely incredible since that trade. Um, He, uh, yeah, he's just been incredible since that trade. So, and this is from Madison.com that I'm reading this from. It's by Andrew Wagner. Um. And I'm a big fan of Andrew Wagner's work. Check him out if you haven't. But heading into their series finale against the Padres on May 27th, the Brewers ranked near the bottom of the National League in every statistical category on offense. Since then, Brewers are up to 226 
bat, team batting average, ranks 10th in the NL, up from 209, 471 slugging, um, 21 home runs during this stretch, second only to the Giants, and a 778 OPS, which is good for third. The offense is coming alive. The offense is starting to show up and make plays. Adimus has been a big, I think, reason for this. But Yelich is getting butt base hits. Um, Avisar Garcia had a great month of May, and he's continuing to play well in June. Omar Nevias's bat's coming back. Um, Luis Urias is, uh, after the trade where he lost his uh, short, uh, shortstop position, has been outstanding playing third and second, and the bat has come alive. Colton Wong before injury. Um, was a doubles machine at the top at the leadoff hitter. Um, and then now you're going to be getting him off the IL, hopefully, by the end of the month. You're going to have Locaine coming off the IL again. And his defense is still outstanding. His bat needs to come alive. And hopefully when he comes back, his bat comes alive. And then the unfortunate thing with the offense, they had to send Keston Hira back to the minors. Um, like Corbin Burns, he's a guy I do not want to give up on yet. I think, I think it's more mental for him, but I think the combination of working on his mechanics plus working, in, working on his head could do wonders for him. A longer stint in Nashville could do wonders for him. Um, he batted the hell out of the ball last time he was down there. Um, speak of Garcia, hot month of May, good month of June. He just hit a home run to tie the game up. Um, but back to Hira. Hira is going to be a big part of this team. Maybe not in 2021 now at this point, but the D, the universal DH is coming in baseball overall. And if he can get that bat where it was doing in high school, in college, at every level in the minors, back in 2019 with the Brewers, if he can get the bat back to that, then he's going to be a key component of the Brewers' future. But in order for the Brewers to stay stay consistent, in order for the Brewers to stay um, in contention, right now they're first place in the division, they have to get stronger either at first or third base. Um, Travis Shaw is not cutting it. Um, Daniel Vogelbach isn't cutting it. Um, Shaw's defense has been great, but his bad has been just as bad, if not worse, than Keston Hero lately. Vogelbach has been even you know just as bad, if not worse. You gotta address the, the corner outf- uh, corner infield spots and get at least one bat that can play one of those positions every day. When Wong comes back, you can platoon Urias and Shaw at third and have somebody play first. And I keep hearing Ryan Braun's name thrown out there. He's starting to hit the ball again down in Arizona. His wife just posted a video on Instagram of him taking batting practice. I don't know if you bring him in this late into the season and pluck him at first base. It didn't go really well before. I don't know if it's going to go really well this time. Yes, his bat is still dangerous, even at this advanced, this advanced age. Um, he's my age. I'm 37. Um, even with that advanced age, um, he still can hit the ball. I just don't think you put him at first base. Um, I don't think that helps the situation. It definitely doesn't solve it. It won't help it either. And then finally, I want to move on to Green Bay. 
OT or mini camps officially start today, and of course we're seeing overreactions from people on how <coughs> and how Jordan Love performed today, and what players said, and their reactions, and their press conferences after, and whatnot. But it's not the end of it's not it's not the end of the world. Aaron Rodgers in there. Do I want Aaron Rodgers there? Yes. Um, I would love to have Aaron Rodgers at OTAs throwing the ball around to Devontae, to Devin, to um, MVS, to EQ, to Lazard, um, running the offense. I would love to see it. We all would. Um, But it's not bad for Jordan Love to now be getting all these first team reps. Working with Devontae, working with MVS, working with Lazard. Um, it's going to help him. Andrew Brandt has brought this up that when Rodgers was, I'm sorry, when Brett Favre was unsure if he was going to play or not, and he didn't show up to OTAs and mini camps and didn't show up to uh, training camp, Aaron Rodgers got all of those reps, and he was only able to get better each and every day. Um, I remember reading about what he looked like Rodgers looked like back in 05 and 06, and it was not great. But he he was a guy that worked his butt off to improve, to work on his mechanics with Mike McCarthy to get to the quarterback that we see today. And I know I, I said the name Mike McCarthy, and a lot of you are going to cringe and turn off the show right now. But early Mike McCarthy was a big help when it came to quarterbacks. I don't know what happened later in his career when he had to try to work with guys like Brent Hundley um, and Deshaun Kaiser. It definitely didn't work. Um, I, I don't know if he still had the that uh, that drive anymore after being in Green Bay for so long. Kind of grew complacent, I guess would be the word. But anyway, all of those extra reps, throwing to Greg Jennings, throwing to Donald Driver, Throwing to whoever, you know, other receivers who were on the team at the time. I, uh, some escaped me at the moment. Getting all those extra reps with the first team basically is one of the biggest reasons Rodgers is where he is today. Because he was able to work with the ones, work with his footwork, work with the offense, learn the offense, throw to these guys. And it made him a better, better quarterback. Jordan Love gets to do the same thing with Aaron wherever he is right now. California, Hawaii, Mars, Jupiter, I don't know. Um, But it gives Jordan Love the opportunities to get all these reps and to learn. Um, Yes, his his throws are a little inaccurate, but I know based off what he's posted during the offseason on social media, he's been working on his footwork. His arm strength is there. He can throw the, the hell out of the ball. He just has to work on the accuracy, and that's something that's going to come with rep- repetitions, and that's something that he gets right now with Rodgers not being there. With that said, yes, I would love Rodgers to be in Green Bay. I want Aaron Rodgers to be the quarterback of the Packers, and I still think he will be. Um, Rodgers has been playing this game long enough that missing OTA, this is his third year in the offense. He looked like he mastered the offense last year. He's got great rapport with Lazard with MVS with uh, Devante with Jones uh, with Lewis with Tanyan the only receiver he doesn't have a great rapport with yet because he hasn't thrown to him is Amari Rogers and Devin Funchins outside of that he he already has good rapport with them 
Um, if Rodgers wants to wait to training camp to come in, that's fine by me. And I, I think he will. I think at the end of the day, Rodgers will be the Packers starting quarterback in 2021. I haven't, ba- I haven't backed off that yet. Um, I don't see him retiring and I don't see that. I don't see him sitting out. Um, he's too much of a competitor to sit at home. And I know Tyler Dunn, who is a great, great writer. Um, I, I love his work. He has his new, uh, uh, his, his site, uh, go along tight with Ty Dunn. Um, I don't know if it's a weekly publication or what, but he has his publication where he said he talked to a former Packer front office executive that said, nope, he ain't coming at all. He doesn't see Rodgers backing down, period. He ain't coming. I I think it's more of a bluff, to be honest. I think, I think it's more of a bluff, and we're going to find out once training camp starts. If Rodgers doesn't show up for the first couple weeks of training camp, well, then I'm wrong. And... You know, I'm wrong a lot. Um, you know, as I mentioned before, if you ask one of my one of my friends, I'm I'm probably I'm probably wrong 99.999% of the time. Again, I'm not wrong that often, but I guess you know whatever. Um, but I, you know, obviously, you know, I'm wrong about the Bucks. Um, I still have a chance to be proven right about the Brewers, but I'm obviously wrong about the Bucks, and I could be completely wrong with this Aaron Rodgers situation. But I think he comes back. I, I think he plays 2021 as quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, and that's just that my feelings on it. So with that, um, I'm going to stop here. I'm about – I usually I try to shoot for 30. I'm 37 minutes in right now. Um, so I'm going to stop here and – Thank you for those that have listened. I appreciate it. Share, rate um, the show, subscribe, resubscribe, uh, unsubscribe, resubscribe, rate, review, share, whatever. Um, I love giving my my thoughts and opinions, even if I guess if you if you don't like listening to them, that's fine. You know that's what they have the off button for. You know that's why you can stop it and switch to something else. Um, and there's lots of different ways to start a podcast if you want to do that as well. Um, a lot of platforms out there. I personally use Anchor, um, Field, uh, uh, StreamYard for the live stream, Anchor for the audio version. G- both great platforms. If you want to do it yourself, I highly recommend it, highly encourage it. Get your voice out there if you want. If you, if you think I'm a complete joke, which some of you may, do it yourself. That's simple. So... With that said, thank you so much, and I will get back at you maybe later on in the week. Otherwise, early next week to recap, hopefully, uh, Game 3 and Game 4 win by the Milwaukee Bucks. With that, enjoy the rest of your week, and I will get at you later.